This is the Wealth and Law Podcast, a podcast about the intersection of personal wealth and the legal landscape. We'll take a deep dive into relevant topics. We'll basically teach you what we know, and we'll engage with guests with deep expertise in their field. We hope that you'll enjoy this episode and many more episodes. So please join us on this journey as we try to bring you relevant information that is both timely and important for you to know in order to engage in this area of the world. Welcome to the Wealth and Law Podcast. I am Brent Nelson, and in times of uncertainty and times of of uh, challenges financially, sometimes you need somebody to sort of guide you through the weeds so you know what to do, or probably better stated, what not to do. And to help me with that is the very wonderful Nicole Overcamp. Nicole, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. So it's uh, it's it's always fun to connect with somebody who is almost Canadian but not quite Canadian. Yes, actually half my family is French Canadian. So my grandma was uh, born in Ottawa. So uh-huh. we've got a lot of Canadian heritage. But... Yeah, it's it's similar in my family as well. On, yeah. uh, on my wife's side of the family, half of the family are from the Toronto area. So uh, our, our typical Toronto trip was fly to Buffalo and then drive over because Pearson is such a, a mess of an airport that it was always easier to actually fly to Buffalo and drive up <laughs> than to go through Pearson. Yeah, it makes total sense. <laughs> we made we made the mistake of flying into Pearson not too long ago. We waited for two hours to get our luggage for anybody who's wondering why that matters. So there's a, there's probably a, a small sliver of society who doesn't know who you are, Nicole. So you want to give us maybe your high-level CV? Yeah, so I am the CEO and founder of Wilcox Financial Group. It's a boutique financial planning firm for women and couples, and I am also the founder of Pow Her House Money Coaching, which is a money and business coaching company where we also do quite a bit of education programming, as well as I have created some online courses too. So what? How do you? draw that line between those two entities and the services that they provide? So the it really the line is drawn by compliance. Uh, uh-huh. Everything that Pow Her House does is essentially what compliance says is not financial services or covered by our compliance team, our broker dealer. So mm-hmm. um, Wilcox Financial Group is really the insurance investments, fee-based financial planning, and then under Pow Her House, we're doing uh, a, a number of business coaching programs, really just um, a mastermind and then pure education. So we're we're giving education around concepts and topics, not talking specifically about any kind of product. So and that's really where they they draw the line there when it comes to any of the, the education or money coaching type stuff where, you know, money coaching, we're really doing mostly the boot camp essentially to get you ready for financial planning, right? We're talking about mm-hmm. the money mindset, the habits, the behaviors, um, and all of the day-to-day lifestyle shifts that you really need to be disciplined enough to implement a financial plan. So it's a pretty clear uh, um, divide, if you will, in terms of the two where there is there is more of like the um, the the fun, I, I think the daily uh, habits and routines and everything that we need, but we don't really talk about a lot. Right. The more the emotional side of the money and then the Wilcox Financial is, is all the technical analysis and um, the, the more of the the financial services side of things. Yeah. Interesting. W- which of those two came first? 
Wilcox Financial came first. Uh, I, I founded that company back in 2012, and Pow Her House actually came from the shortcomings of Wilcox Financial. So really, we saw um, this huge need and a lot of opportunity out there where we just weren't able to provide that through the financial planning company. So it, it, it really came from that, the gap that we saw in this pocket of women that we could serve who uh, they were making good money, they had killer careers, but they couldn't get it together on the personal end, right? Or, or just needed the basic uh, information, education, knowledge, like this stuff isn't always taught, or uh, they had this feeling of like, why, why is it so difficult for me to save? I'm making more money than I ever have, or I don't understand this stuff, or I'm really embarrassed to ask for help. And so working through a lot of that, um, and then on the business coaching side, it's really came from lessons learned, lessons learned over building the firm over the last decade, what I did very wrong, <laughs> you know, um, and, and how to do it right, right, and, and everything in between. And so now it, I really wanted to create this community for other entrepreneurs to say, look, like you're not alone. I don't want you to go through what I went through or suffer the way that I did. Let's provide and build this support system so that you can build a better business without burning out and, and how to look at all the other things, too, in terms of your, your systems and streamlining that to getting more profitable and uh, looking at your sales process and language and confidence and all the little things that they don't tell you about when you go and start a business. You know, it's it's so different from actually being an expert at your craft and then building a business. You know, it's um, and, and I, of course, got that rude awakening through pure experience. So, no, you're supposed to always do it just right. Always. Right? Yeah. Right from the beginning. Well, I that's that's really interesting. Um, let me tease out just a couple of things that I wanted to talk to you sure. about. So you mentioned the kind of habits and and person, I guess maybe personality or mentality mm -hmm. about um, building wealth, building savings that it sounds like is more in the powerhouse side of the business than the other side. But what what do you think then are the kind of common shortcomings that either prevent people from successfully saving, say for retirement or or mm -hmm. something else, or that that people kind of trip up on in the process? Uh, there's a few things, and, and one of them is actually really emotional. So we have a lot of women where they have a habit or addiction, if you will, to spending. So it's their go-to, and it's their vice instead of drinking or working out or, you know, whoever. We all have our vice. They spend. So if they're stressed out or something isn't going well, their go-to is, is shopping. So that is one small um, pocket of things where we have to recalibrate, A, the root cause of where they are. So like, where is this coming from? Why is it happening? Because so much of our behavior is subconscious. And so really working through that and, and tweaking and pivoting to something that is a healthier habit, but more in alignment with their goals. Because most of the time where, um, you know, when, when we're working with the client, like the things that they're doing, they don't necessarily want to be doing them, but they don't know how to stop or how to stop consistently. They've got a lot of fits of starts and stops, you know, um, or more of that like roller coaster feeling. So that's one of them. And, and then another is just like a complete lack in confidence and, and knowledge where uh, they know they should be doing something, but don't know where to begin or how to do it because they've never been taught a lot of the basics or they have this uh, scarcity mindset or they don't feel like they're worthy of actually keeping money and building wealth because they never had it. Their family never had it. Um, and it's what they're hearing from outside sources. 
And then there's also the perpetual like comparison uh, issues where where nowadays we're constantly bombarded with highlight reels and social media and what everybody else is doing. And we feel like we have to do what everybody else is doing before asking ourselves what we should be doing. And so uh, there's a lot of that, too. And again, like we just don't realize how much it stacks up. And then all of a sudden it seems to blow up in your face and you're like, oh, my God, I should be further ahead than I am right now. Or why am I not doing this? Or why do I feel super crappy about that? And um, and so it's really working toward all of those things and within those things to gain not only more control of your cash flow, but a deeper understanding of what it is that you're doing and how you can pivot into something that you can maintain consistently. Yeah, it's really interesting. There's sometimes I guess where we can be our own worst enemies um, mm -hmm. when it comes to money. And it it is so true. I'm sure everybody can think of a person or themselves who uh, who takes money and then uh, allows it to be a little bit of a landmine for yourself. You know, use it to soothe yourself, go buy things to make yourself feel good about something or, you know, buy things to celebrate instead of just celebrate. You know, that's those sorts of habits are just so ingrained, I think, culturally. And it's difficult for people to imagine doing something different sometimes. Yep. And it's also part of the like entitlement theory, you know, mm. like I worked really hard. I should be able to buy this or I deserve this or, you know. But do you, you know, <laughs> so there's that as well, where we feel this, um, you know, uh, we always have to have some kind of trade off or reward for what we conceptualize as hard work or doing something. We we always like to to have that immediate gratification as well. So um, that is, is certainly another component. Yeah. Do you think it's from your perspective as as sort of the guide to clients like that, do you think it's a matter of helping them to have a slightly different perspective on the on like a timeline horizon yeah. perspective? Yeah, absolutely. I think most of the time people just don't know what they're currently doing is how it's affecting them in the future, right? They don't realize what they're capable of achieving or what the long-term consequence is. You know, they're just looking at today, here and now versus the future. They have anxiety about the future, but they never really thought about what that could look like by the current actions. And so mm -hmm. part of it is just helping them to see like, you know, is this really how you want things to play out? Does this really feel good? Is this really actually in alignment with who you're becoming or what you want? You know, a lot of times we have these like contradictory habits too. You know, it's so funny where we've got uh, the simplest thing is, is we'll talk to someone. They're like, yes, I want to get really, really healthy. That's going to make me feel better. I'm going to be more positive. I'm, you know, and so, and then the idea is, okay, well then if I'm healthier and I'm more positive, I won't be paying for therapy. Um, and then we see all their transactions and it's like pizza, mighty taco, you know, like this <laughs> or, um, you know, and then in addition to that, they'll be buying health, you know, supplements to help them lose weight. And it's like, okay, look, like pick one, right? You either want to stay in your current state or you want to get healthy. But if you want to get healthy, I'm calling BS, right? Like stop mm. buying the fast food because all you're doing is like throwing your money out the window. So it's sometimes like that tough love and like calling people out because they just don't realize, you know, you can't. You can't fix it with a pill. You get you can't just keep going and thinking someone else is going to fix your problems for you. Like you have to do the hard work and make that change. And we're in a culture and a society now where everyone just wants like the easy way out um, and they want a quick fix because everything's instantaneous, right? Marketing tells us we need that. We need everything immediately. And so um, I think it's really hurt um, and, and warped the perceptions that we have of reality in 
so many different ways. And especially for some of the younger generations, like they're just not accustomed to having to wait for something or work really hard for something in, in a lot of degrees. So, um, you know, it's it's definitely an interesting uh you know, a cultural paradigm that we're in right now and um, and just seeing over the years how it's gotten substantially worse, <laughs> you know, uh, with everything. And and um, and it's what we're constantly bombarded with. Yeah. Bombarded, I think, is the right word, too. And it's uh, I think it's a product of of the availability of markets and the availability of of means to spend money, because it's not like you're lacking options. In any, you know, you can you can do a lot of damage just like in the palm of your hand now, mm-hmm. whereas you used to have to actually drive down to the store and look at the thing and then buy the thing. But it seems like also companies are quite wise to that, and they're also very good at positioning themselves and their marketing and getting people to to shift their behavior so that it becomes like the least the path of least resistance to spending, which of course I'm sure just makes your heart your uh, your <laughs> job harder that's why there's an interesting oh sorry i didn't mean to talk over you no that's okay i just said that's why we have a lot of accountability built into our program (laughs) yeah i'm sure well what i mean what about um your because it sounds like you focus primarily on on women as far as clients that you work with not to the exclusion of everybody else in the world but um you know why do you think those particular issues are specific to to your typical clients if they are i guess i shouldn't assume the answer to that. yeah we definitely have a wide range but that is uh, i think on the coaching side more yeah. specific, right that's why we're working with them on the coaching side um but on the financial planning side that's that's usually not the case um and and i think truly where when it comes to money and and finances there's a lot more emotions balled in with women than men typically and and what we see and we do have an, a number of clients that are men so i get a, a very good picture of both but um, it, we tie a lot more stuff in general to to everything, right? When um, when it comes right down to it, and we're also uh, more typically givers. And what I mean by that is, it also is is the constant like battle of I have to do, I have to do, I have to do. So we're not only in our own bubble of the things that we're doing for ourselves. But then we have to, we feel like we have this obligation where we need to take care of other people or do things for other people or say yes to everything that our friends ask us to do. And so it like layers on top of everything. And so it's it's so complex in terms of, well, also, yeah, like we have to learn how to create some boundaries or not feel guilty about certain things and and really establish what that looks like as well, where I find with men, uh, they don't have the same uh, feelings of or fear of being judged for saying no, or they're more confident in a establishing boundaries or they don't even realize that they've set them right it's just like this is what it is this is what I want I asked for it and there's no emotional baggage with it of like the oh my god what if or how are they going to think of this or how are they going to feel and you know we we always like integrate so many layers of other stuff with that which you know doesn't sound like what I'm talking about is related to finances but it's so married, it's insane, you know, because you, you think of everything that you commit to or overcommit to or do or give or whatever the case may be, like most of the time that's associated also with money, right? Um, and if not money, our time, and if we're more exhausted, what are your habits doing, right? So you're you're buying more coffee, you're spending more on fast food, like it just adds 
up. Um, and so it, it, it's really, really wild and into how that is so different. And, and women also are burdened most of the time with having to take care of their parents or their spouse's parents. Um, and in all of the things that add or play into that. And then also, by the way, like if they took time off when they were raising the kids, they might not be as far ahead in their careers or earning as much as their, um, you know, as their their spouse maybe or, or male counterparts or, or even others, peers who chose not to do that. And so there's also that gap there as well, where they had a number of years where they weren't saving for retirement, a number of years where they weren't um, right rising up the, the ladder, so to speak, and getting those raises. And so there's also that uh, gap in addition to, uh, you know, contend with when when you flip back over to the financial advising side of the board and in terms of just looking at like, well, how how do we need to play catch up here? How do we need to learn in terms of what is realistic and um, and spending and so on and so forth? And say no. Yeah. Say no yeah, to some exactly. things. Yeah. Yeah, I, I can totally see that. Overburden yourself. All you've really do is done is uh, increase your own stress. And if you have bad habits that are triggered by stress, particularly around money, obviously you're just being the ma master of your own demise in some ways. Yeah. yeah, I call it the master of your disaster. Right? <laughs> yeah, that's much catchier. <laughs> so the, <laughs> there's, but how, you know, what's the process like then with clients that struggle with those sorts of things? Is it just a matter of helping them recognize it or is it trying to, hold their feet to the fire a bit and hold them accountable in a yeah, nice way, of course. It's both. It's really both. It's one, it's it's just jet, like having a conversation about what it is they want, how they want to feel and really getting to um, to the understanding of that. Because again, this sounds wild, but so many clients that we work with actually haven't paused quite yet and thought about what that looks like. They haven't thought about what it is they want uh, in the future, you know, like three years out five years out in retirement. And then they also haven't thought about how that would feel or how it would feel if they even met some of their shorter term goals or just like in the routine, right? They're in the grind day to day. And so it's it's pausing first and thinking about that because that's going to be the anchor for all the changes we're about to make. And so uh, and, and once we have a clear understanding of that, it's just reverse engineering from there and what we need to do to make it happen. But then, yes, holding them accountable, checking in a lot, having a lot of conversations, having a lot of meetings, because, again, it's so quick to forget if you're not continuing to remind yourself and or like seeing the progress, right? Because when you see that positive progress, it's empowering to keep going where if you feel like you're you're not making any progress, but you're working really hard, you're more likely to give up. So it's certainly a combination of a lot of techniques in, in terms of making sure that we're really getting them to where they want to go and holding them to it versus just simply talking about it and then falling off right right yeah well and that also i guess opens up the possibility of saying yes to things if if you have already framed out what matters to you you've already framed out the goals that you want at least as you understand them in the moment then then it gives you a context in which if something comes to you and you say no to it you don't have to feel guilty because it doesn't fit within what you're really trying to accomplish anyways and so i'm sure that really helps people who struggle to, you know, not feel guilt about doing every little thing for everybody around them. And I think we all know people like that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
a lot of that sounds like it it probably informs the the business coaching as well. So I'm a little bit curious on kind of your journey and in, in building your business, because it sounds like you came out of another financial advisory firm and started your own firm. And so what was that for you? You know, what was that process like? Was it similar in trying to to frame the the goals that you had in mind and and then trying to keep yourself accountable to those goals? <laughs> It was. I mean, I really had to do a lot of soul searching and because in the industry, we're told we should be a certain way. We have to do certain things. And and where I came from, they also told me how I needed to look. (laughs) They told me the hours I had to work. They told me who to work with. And so, um, you know, I had to do a lot of unbundling in terms of like, well, who am I anyways? Like, how do I want to even show up? And what does that look like? Because when I started in the industry, I was 21 years old. Like, I had no idea idea who I was. And, you know, I was so good at just taking orders. Right. And so as I learned more about what I wanted and what that looked like and and what I wanted to build and also, you know, more authentically who I was becoming, that's where there was the disconnect in in shifting from, I think, that very hard sales environment where it was extremely, um, you know, not only the pressure, but just the the culture, you know, it was just so, uh, you know, I, I, the best way I can explain it is like Wolf on Wall Street, you know, and it just really wasn't a, a, anything that I wanted to play a part in. Um, and I didn't care about wearing a fancy suit and, you know, I didn't care about wearing glasses to look smart and the whole facade. Like to me, it was just a bunch of BS. And so, um, and I really wanted to do holistic financial planning. And so when I left and started my own firm, I was like, okay, cool. Like now I can start planning. And then I was like, okay, shit, like, what do I do? Like, you know, and I thought I had to be everything to everyone. And again, you know, those things that were told, like, um, and so I, I, I floundered a lot in the first year, just kind of finding my footing and my message and, and really who I wanted to work with and, and bang my head against the wall for, for some time, you know, I was doing okay, but certainly not thriving by any means. And, um, and then it, it just sort of progressed naturally in me focusing on like, man, who, who are my favorite clients? Who are my most fun meetings? Who do I enjoy working with most? And what are those profiles? And they were all type A women. <laughs> who were ambitious like me, I could relate to them. And it's like, okay, if I could work with those people all the time and relate to them, I wouldn't really feel like I'm working so hard. And anybody Mm -hmm. in this business knows it's really hard, right? Uh, And stressful and high pressure, like no matter what, right? I I mean, especially when you're contending with like, it's not just the business that you're building and the clients that you're working with and the emotions, it's like the market and the economics and like, oh my God. So, uh, so, so we started to transition into that and then the messaging changed and Um, And I started to talk to like other women just like me uh, and share personal stories, share the things that I did wrong, because that's another thing they don't do in this business is everyone pretends to be perfect. Everyone talks in all this high level jargon. Everyone, uh, you know, pretends as if they've never messed up financially. Uh, And I did. I made a ton of mistakes and I started talking about that and I started talking about the relationship issues or or not issues, but I I think faux pas, right? Avoiding difficult conversations, just like I let it out, you know, and and just started storytelling. And the more I started doing that, the more people started coming to me for help versus me seeking them. And so Mm. it really was quite a game changer in terms of how we were doing business and how we were showing up. And I was just being me. It was a lot less exhausting. And so we we really started to gain a ton of traction and grow from from there. And I learned a lot about what um, what not to do. And even from a marketing 
perspective and, and language, but then helping to refine what it is we were offering as well. I got rid of all the services that I didn't love doing that were a waste of time that, you know, were more of a loss leader than anything. And again, you feel like in this industry a lot, I have to do all the things I have to do 401k, I have to do retirement plans, I have to do estate planning, like, no, you don't, you know, and so we really got rid of all the junk, right, all the things that I didn't want to focus on and really got the funnel super, super narrow. Um, and then we got our marketing even more narrow. And so it and that's what helped us really grow uh, quite a bit. And so now it's it's taking all of that. And, and again, the lessons and, and the way too much money I spent on things that didn't work <laughs> and, and teaching other entrepreneurs like, hey, business is business. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. Like the fundamentals are the same if you're if you're a service based business. Like if you're not Amazon, you have to do things differently. Right. So, yeah. Um, it's really part of where the coaching came into play. And and I also felt like I was completely isolated. Like I didn't have a community. I didn't have a mentor or someone supporting me or telling me what to do. I had a lot of people like telling me that what I was doing was a bad idea, um, you know, or what not to do. But I didn't really have anybody saying like, hey, this is how you build a business. These are some of the things that you want to consider. Or this is how you even like hire help. You know, none of that uh, was going on. And, and I was also, of course, stubborn and, and completely afraid to seem like I was incompetent. So I also resisted to asking for help. You know, I, I ended up hiring a coach and that was amazing um, in terms of helping, but but I wanted to provide more of that community for other people like me who could find the group of women like them who actually get it versus all of the people who are like, are you sure you just don't want to like get a job? Are you sure? You know, um, like the people around us that love us, like have good intentions, but their advice typically sucks. And so, um, you know, <laughs> that's what we, we really wanted to start to build. So that way we could have more women starting to thrive. And then also understanding the numbers of their business too, because that's another thing that everybody hates to look at for the most part. Right. So really drilling down on that. It's like, man, like, how can we do better? Right. How can we do better as a firm, as a company in, in creating more wealth in the hands of women? And, and if we want to do better, truly, we're going to have to dig in and offer more and make a bigger impact. And so what are the layers of which we can do that? And so that's really where everything has has grown from or stemmed from, truly, from uh, how we've grown over the years is, is really like, I just want to make a bigger impact impact and what mm -hmm. does that look like you know yeah yeah and it, and an impact i take it within the uh client profile that you're most interested yeah because you know there's these you're talking about these like type a women mm -hmm. who are very like you but maybe they they lack a little bit of the guidance or maybe they they don't have quite the life lessons that you might be able to provide to them like is that is that the focus uh, a lot of our clients tend to be like that, but the uh -huh. focus truly is is empowering women who want to improve their lives, right, mm -hmm. to some degree or another, because you don't have to be like type A crazy person to, yeah, let's to benefit from right <laughs> from making a change. Um, it's it's any woman who's like, man, like I think I'm I I think I want more. I think I want more and I want it to feel better. So how can we help her? How can we make her see it's possible? How can we help her leave an abusive relationship? How can we help her feel confident mm -hmm. about owning her numbers or getting out of like a really tough time after her spouse passed? Like 
there's so many layers of that. And, and women, a lot of the time, don't know where to go because they don't feel comfortable. And so it's it's providing those resources. You know, it's why we wrote our book. It's why I created the courses, because there's, you know, not everybody is just going to have the gumption to reach out to someone, right? They want to start somewhere. So so that's what I meant by impact in terms of like the, you know, t- starting from just like the base, like mass access like how can we do that okay book how can we do something a little bit better storytelling social media workshops talking right how can we do something a little bit better courses and then working with us you know is is then the person who's like really really ready for that but like for me it's so much bigger than that you know i really um my life mission isn't just to build a small solo practice like my life mission is to empower as many women as i can and make like a a a difference if even if it's just like a sliver of a pie because there's so much that goes on and and especially in like large corporations like everybody talks about this stuff right everybody talks about wanting to change the wage gap or to put women in a better position or to give them more access but like very few actually put action behind it and do stuff and so and that's part of what we're working on here is like what can we do right what can we do as far as like the the boots on the ground and providing these resources so that more um we can make more more of a difference and more of a shift and and give people and and women the tools that they need to to like go make more money right uh go ask for more how to how to have that confidence and so which is really interesting because a lot of our clients that do work with us and they once they realize what they're capable of achieving but what it's going to take to get what they want they now have more confidence to leave their job and get a better one they now have more confidence to ask for a raise they now you know so like so many of our clients also do end up making more money by the trickle effect of everything that we're doing and working with them on which i think is such a cool effect yeah it sounds like it and it it doesn't surprise me to hear that because it sounds like you're giving people um a framework that allows them to to be empowered to make smarter decisions to find out what it is that they want and then pursue the things that they want with more intentionality. Exactly. So what are some of the mistakes? You don't have to you don't have to recite every single one of them, but okay. uh, <laughs> but what are some of the mistakes that that you've made that you think are good lessons for other people? Uh, well, when I was really younger, uh, I worked so much that I, that's all I did. I didn't have time for anything else. So mm. I spent my money on online shopping, right? It made me feel so good. And so at, like, late at night, like I would buy all these shoes, all these clothes. Like I had a closet that was absolutely absurd. And, you know, so that that was number one, like I bought things to one, make myself feel better. But then I also bought things because I was so young and lacked so much confidence that I also wanted to, like, impress other people. Like if I bought this stuff, maybe other people would think I'm successful. And I let the culture and the mentality of the other advisors around me seep in. And so that's what they were doing. So I was like, that's what I have to do. So mistake number one was not actually asking myself the question, why am I buying this stuff? <laughs> like, I just did it without thinking. And, and oh, by the way, I'm a financial advisor trying to tell other people to not do this. So so that <laughs> is like in total, like out of congruence with, right. with everything. So so that happened, corrected that, thank God. But like, it still bubbles up. Like, it's just, I'm aware of it now. So I know how to fix it, right? Like we don't change, we just get better, right? So, um, you know, and, and working on that and, 
And then another one for me that I struggle with and have in the past is difficult conversations. Um, Having conversations where I need to ask for more money or have a conversation in terms of maybe with a strategic partner or at the time a joint work partner where I just took what they told me versus speaking up and saying like, wait a minute, that's not fair. Uh, I'm doing more. I think I should be compensated more. So that was another thing that a mistake that I made and I would go home and cry about it and, and do nothing. And then my husband called me out on my BS and he's like, what, like, why aren't you asking? And like, I literally was like, well, I don't know. I'm afraid they're not going to think, you know, I'm worth it. Or what if they think I'm, you know, greedy. And he's like, knock it off. He's like, go ask for more, like quit. Like, what are you doing? You know, he's just so linear. Like there's Uh no, there's no gray with him. And, but how he said it was how I needed to hear it. Right. And so, um, and then when I asked for more, like I either got it or I didn't, and then I didn't do that project and I moved on to another one. I was like, what the F is wrong with me? Right. And so, um, and then again, having difficult conversations with my husband are are another one that I, I spoke about a lot. Like I, Again, he's stubborn. He's like opposite of me. He's like, eh, let's like, we could die tomorrow. Let's do all the things. And I'm like, I need a plan. And so um, years and years ago now, uh, I asked him like one night, I was like, hey, we should do a will. We should do a healthcare proxy, power of attorney. Like this stuff is really important. And he's like, no, it's not. (laughs) He's like, we're fine. It's fine. Let's do it later. He's like, don't talk to me about that stuff right now. You know, he's like watching TV. And I was like, but we really should. And he like, he's like, we're fine. I don't want to, you know, uh, deal with it right now. And I was like, okay. And just like, let it go. And I should have said like, dude, stop being ridiculous. We're going to do this, whether you like it or not. I didn't do that because I was too tired to care. Like I was literally, you know, how many of you listening have had like that? I'm going to bring it up, but I'm not going to push it because I'm just freaking exhausted. Right. Right. It's like, a, yeah, exactly. Yeah. The exhaustion is exhausting. Yeah, totally. And sometimes like we even want to have conversations, but we don't have them because we're just tired. Right. So mm-hmm. um, and, and we get lazier. We don't want to feel the discomfort. So that was me. And so uh, about a week and a half after I avoided that conversation, my husband was in a coma right? Um, He was in a coma. We didn't know if he was going to make it. And so instead of having a simple document for a couple hundred bucks where I was power of attorney, healthcare proxy, right? Um, I now had a petition in front of a court to be his legal guardian and spent thousands and thousands of dollars plus the extra stress during like the most traumatic time of my life, right? And so it's things like that where you're like, oh, I never thought it was going to happen to me. He said we were fine. One week later, our life is flipped upside down and totally different because we make so many assumptions that we're just invincible. And so that that's another thing that I talk about with clients all the time is like, look, like I, I hope you never need this stuff or we never need to, to think about it. But like, how about the feeling of if life happens, you're going to be all set, you know, and, and really talking about the impact of the planning behind that too, and the insurances and everything else, because like when you're in a traumatic Uh, state or dealing with something completely devastating, like you don't want to worry about money. Like you don't want to worry about how much care costs for the person you love most. You don't want to worry about having to go to work or, you know, whatever the case may be. And so um, those things like were, were massive, I think like moments where I, I, again, I was like, I need to do better. I need to talk about this more. I need a bigger platform because there's so many people like me, right? I'm not alone. Mm -hmm. 
There's probably other professionals on this call <laughs> who are like, yeah, I totally don't do what I preach, right? Um, because it's so easy to tell other people what to do. It's so hard to do it yourself, right? Um, because we are all uh, the master of our disaster, creatures of habit, and like, and we get busy. We get busy ourselves. We're always doing everything for everybody else and all our clients. And if we're telling everybody math all day, do we want to go home and math? No, we don't, right? So we want to go home and like veg out or go for a walk or do something completely different than what we're doing all day. So it it is a, a whole nother layer that I think as professionals, whether you're in the legal profession or accounting or, or financial advising, like it's it's important to uh, take our own medicine. But also, I think we're doing our clientele or people in general disservice if we're also not talking about like the very human side of of like literally being human mm-hmm. um, and the mistakes that are made, because if other people don't hear the impact of that, they're not going to take action because it just sounds fake. Right. It's sounds like oh yeah that's nice to have but I don't need it like they don't internalize the emotion or or life really truly happening and you don't want to be the person who has to experience it to want that you know does that make sense yeah it does yeah. treat treat people like they're humans not yeah. like they're you know, some plan or some uh sort of in this in the sky set of standards that's that not really how people operate it's it's it, it's a it's a wild um, dynamic. I, I think it's a, it's a conflict between the way that we try to plan and then the way that people actually behave, because we try to plan things out in a very logical and rational way and a very organized way. But then the way that we behave is the opposite of that. And the way that we tend to make decisions is the complete opposite of that. And it's like we're trying to put these two opposing things together and then we're frustrated when they don't quite work together when you should only expect that they're not going to work together all the time. They can work together, but it's going to be a struggle. It's always going to be a struggle because they're opposed to one another. And you can really eliminate, I think, a lot of stress for yourself, either self-induced or induced by the actions of other people by just recognizing that reality. It doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be um, great and, and unfrustrating but at least you can recognize it and empathize with what's happening and understand why it's happening instead of just banging your head against the wall and being upset at everybody. <laughs> yes, of course. Very interesting. Yeah. Well, I really appreciate that. I think that's such a, there's a lot of really good tidbits in there, not only for how to, how to provide service to other people, but also how to, how to build something. Because when you're building a business, you're really, it's a people thing, you know, we, we like to talk about the numbers and you were mentioning like the business numbers and nobody likes to do the business numbers. Like, yes, that is a necessary part of business. Do not get me wrong, but all businesses operate on humans. And so you have to deal with the human element. Right. Exactly. Well, Nicole, I really appreciate you taking time to have this conversation. It was really interesting to me. If people are trying to find you, what is the best way for them to do that? Best way is Instagram uh, at Pow Her House Money. Uh, uh, you can have that link for your show notes. Okay, excellent. And we'll have, of course, all of your contact information in the show notes so people can look there to find it. Nicole, thank you so much. I appreciate it. So welcome. Thanks. Hey, listeners. Thanks again for joining me on the podcast. It's fun to do it for you. If you're enjoying it, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe to my blog at wealthandlaw.com and follow me on social media at wealthandlaw. I'll see you there.